I didn't hear it. Sorry. Ready? I'm Matt Robinson. And that would make me Noah Bissell. And that would make this one year, 52 weeks, 365 days of the Graining In podcast. Here, here. Jake Hill. Birthday music. Play it a little louder this time. I'm in the mood to be slow and careful. My body's ready for a mountain climb. All of a sudden it will all become lovely. The flower that opens in the morning light. We are back in the solo chairs again. After I clearly I can't hide my excitement. Coming off of So much so that you developed a lisp. <laughs> coming off of the most listened to episode in a week we've ever had, going into doing this for one year. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> I guess that's how I emote. You know, that, that's how I show that I am as well. I guess for me, I'm just then worried about like, well, this can't last. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's where my brain goes <laughs> to right away. So I guess I'm I'm uh, just not that good to live in the present. Apparently, I'm. I will say that I'm excited. I think we're gonna keep it up next week, and I think this would be a perfect time to do something we've never done on this podcast, and that is, if you listen to this and if you enjoy it, and we don't. Give you shitty ads for toothbrushes that beep every 60 seconds. <laughs> we don't give you shitty ads for stuff that costs $2 a month so you can shave your face. Hell, we don't give you great ads we for amazing products. Ads. No ads. We don't ask you to hit the Patreon. We really don't ask you to do much other than put up with us. If you could leave a five-star review on iTunes, if you listen to the podcast there, it goes a huge way for listenership, how it shows up, all that. It costs you nothing. It takes two seconds. And You're already you want, there yeah. to, to play it. Friction is like nothing. Click yeah. five-star review. That depends it, on the grime on your screen. But. <laughs> this is painful to do, but after a year of doing this and having a good episode, I feel comfortable. I mean, we kind of did it a little bit. I don't remember. We did the Instagram thing. I don't remember yeah. asking for the ratings. I feel like we must have mentioned Apple. But either way, that is probably the most direct way, other than tell everyone you know. Yeah. That, <laughs> do that, that too, please. That, that um. You can, you can just help, build, build, help us make this better. This we have said a bunch of times, but I think when money isn't the motivator, there needs to be like an energy to be the motivator to keep it going and have fun. And yeah. for me, the conversations do a ton of that when we're not talking about phenols, but the conversations <laughs> do a ton of that. But the, seeing the listenership grow and people listen and popping up in different countries and places we haven't popped up before, that's what gives me gets me super excited to... What are we going to do next week? How do we keep what it going? What kind of places uh, have you noticed this popping up in? We are <laughs> living La Vida Latvia because <laughs> we are the number three food podcast in Latvia. And I got to be At honest. the time I checked a few days ago. Yeah. This, these are very fickle things. Yeah. They drop out very If you don't listen to this one, nothing again. Just like Scott Janich was yep. the top of the movers and shakers list on Amazon books <laughs> exactly. for a small amount of time. Eh, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. We might be though, you know? It depends. Being hopeful. Yes, I, I am certainly being hopeful. I uh, appreciate everybody listening. Anybody who Especially would, those in Latvia coming out hard. Number three. I guess we're up there in France. We're in the Netherlands now all over we're, the place. We were double digits in like six um, countries. Unbelievable. Which really was honestly- as much as I'm fucking around, like, 
it is cool. It got me energized. Yeah, it is cool. It, but then at the same time, it reminds you of what a piece of shit you are for not speaking a second language. <laughs> Picture listening to a podcast of two idiots talk way too fast in circles yep. in a different language yeah. that isn't your primary one yeah. and still come back. <laughs> I mean, that's unbelievable yeah. stuff. Unbelievable. But thank you for everybody who listens. Thank you to anybody who would leave a rating or a review. and In the future, even. Yeah. Thank you. A, a pre-thank you. Exactly. You we appreciate it, and we're fired up, and we're back in the chairs again yeah. to do a solo this time. I think after the technical expose that was the Scott Janish podcast, I certainly realized that the homebrewers are listening in, in full force. It's a huge part of who's listening, and... Unfortunately for me, that's that's a huge part of the listenership and where maybe we should steer a little bit more. Or We've brought in different people for interesting conversations. Like we we've always said, it's loosely tied around beer, but especially with the like the covid thing and being remote, we've kind of opened that up even further than we did at the beginning. It's I think I'm about pandemics. Yeah, man, we got a rapper and an actor and a, and a, you know what I mean? It, it's gotten further from beer. And then to do this podcast and have the listenership, it's like, oh, yeah. You're telling us what you want. Yep. And I think that we're going to try a lot harder on certainly solo episodes to maybe, you know, live a little more in the technical world. That for on the solo end of things is why it made sense for you and I to do this. Mm -hmm. We were kind of having these conversations. We wanted to kind of focus them mm -hmm. and maybe r roll that into be being part of it. We've done that, but not hyper consistently i yeah. say and it's it can also just be two <laughs> weird neurotic self-conscious guys <laughs> like constantly battling things of like figure out how to really do that where it's an actual conversation where inevitably one of us is self-conscious and says way less than the other yeah, yeah, yeah. depending on the topic um I mean, and like last week's episode where i said <laughs> some things at the beginning and then i said a lot at the end and in the middle I did not say a word. <laughs> and in doubling down on this and kind of leaning into this, Scott talked about so much incredible stuff about hoppy beers specifically. Scott's I, incredible stuff would be a cool <laughs> store name. <laughs> I thought it'd be cool for this one to, like you said, lean into some more of the technical, which certainly meant I had to put on my reading glasses and, and spend a little time here to, to get ready for this. And, um, kind of go the other way with a deeper conversation about the most popular beer style on earth, that being lager beers. You mean Hazy Dippa? I mean lagers. <laughs> hazy Dippa, okay. That must be in a Latvian. I think is that's that how you say it in Latvian. I've been brushing hazy up on Dippa it. Hazy Dippa is, is lagers it's in a, Latvian. So you're not the only one. I've been brushing up on it too okay. since I saw the okay. chart. No, but but yes, all kidding aside, of course. As much as within craft beer, how it can seem just like literally drowning and just suffocated sometimes by hazy, hoppy beers. Yeah. The fact remains they're still like, I don't know the exact stat, but New England IPA type of beers are still, I guarantee, less than probably 8% yeah, yeah. of the beer sold period. Yeah. Um, I think that's literally the number that I that saw That would be my guess because I know that like loggers are still like... 85% or, mm -hmm. so, or thereabouts. And it would make kind of sense that half of that would be 
IPAs, hazy IPAs yep. would make up half of the the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a <laughs> Jamie, four months to <laughs> Jamie, can you pull that up? I need, yeah, yeah. I need dipper numbers. Yeah. Um, uh, but before we go that way to to kind of wrap up on the Janish podcast and and one that was so heavily focused on hops specifically. To kind of touch on the quietest <laughs> church mouse thing, and maybe as quiet as I've ever been yeah. in my I've been louder at funerals. Yeah. <laughs> I have. <laughs> I'm sorry, Uncle Tom. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, it, it was kind of this, and in, in going into it, I knew, I thought like maybe the best role I could play in that was almost like, I, you know, there would be different levels of understanding for the listeners, right? And for- yeah. For some of the real technical listeners and homebrewers and people further down the line, there was going to be a lot of stuff there that was going to be excited about. On the lower end of that spectrum would also be people that that I could take as it got deep, deep in the weeds. Maybe some of the natural questions I was having in real time are kind of framing a more basic understanding would be helpful for them as well. So that's kind of how I went into it was that I'd kind of brush up on these things and interject at certain points to almost to like slow it down a, a tiny yeah. bit and then get it back into the weeds. And I found it was, it ended up for me, I felt like a, a listener at the end of it. Like I was just sitting there digesting all of it like everybody else. And it'd be like, he'd talk about biotransformation and like, I think that's, I think that's actually where the weeds started. Cause I remember the specific moment that I got a lot quieter, but would be kind of going through it and, and talking about these things that are in the hops that once introduced to yeast will then create a new compound that wasn't there to begin with that you either now have to deal with, or you're looking for, or, or a number of different things was kind of like how I was understanding biotransformation in real time. So then I'd, I'd kind of get my head around it. I'd understand these things. And then I'd like fire up a question like, okay, so, so is this unlocking things that are dormant or is there like a, a, a reaction that's happening that's creating something entirely new? Okay. Mm -hmm. And maybe that, that's a fair question. That's not a stupid question. I'll, I'll pop that out. And then, so I'd get ready to say that and I'd be like, yeah, no, perfect. And I'd look up into the screen and he's talking about thials and now and i'm like well what the hell are thials and now it was it was like this feeling of almost being on lag or like stuck in the mud kind of yeah that like just that's moving faster like a bad the, dream kind of feeling like <laughs> i can't keep up no that guy's gonna kill me and all i have to do is run a little bit and and i can't <laughs> and i can't even really move for those much. who can't see this at home <laughs> i'm doing that's doing kind of a quicksand mime run a frozen running man yeah yeah um but that was kind of the feeling. And, and in quote, at some point, clearly, I just kind of like, instead of trying to impart my part on it so hard. Impart your part. Like, instead of imparting, so hard. Instead of imparting my part, just sit back and digest it. And, totally. and almost like be a listener along with the listeners in the moment. And I think that's kind of was my experience in that. What was yours? So first of all, um, I'm obviously kind of making fun of you a little bit, but I... This is new. <laughs> this part will be new where I explain that I didn't mean it. Um, <laughs> it's made, of course, that made total sense. Like mm -hmm. you were digesting all of it, yeah. but I the wasn't honestly that far off in, in different ways of yeah. just like, and I obviously know Scott's a really technical guy and that's why it got me excited because 
I, you know, would have bet every cent to my name on the fact that I was going to leave that thing with, you know, a long laundry list of hypotheticals that I would be thinking of integrating into our process for the next, you know, X amount of time. And did that happen? It's starting to, um, you know, the whole point of doing those things, uh, response, not, not responsibly, but the most effectively is to not just throw a bunch of, of things at, at once. Cause then there's no way to trace, uh, um, the, but, the like variable management thing, kind of one thing at a time. Yeah. Maybe the things like that you're kind of already thinking about anyway, mm-hmm. that kind of get brought back up. It's like, okay, that's, that's almost a, just a sign from everything happening. Like gotta, let's do this. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, Thiles are, I had heard him or I'd read him talk about them on, on the blog and in the book, but damn near a brand new concept to me too. And good. Cause the only, the only time I was on my phone and not paying just attention feverishly to that podcast, trying to catch was, up with research, which I was trying to figure out what dials were and I couldn't even spell the thing to get an answer. Yeah. <laughs> Typed in like T H Y L E S and got nothing. And then so I put beer in front of it, and then I just got that like- That seems like old English. A huge list that seems of like beer styles. kind of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. There's there's double box and all beers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was awesome, awesome experience. And just like we said, uh, just shocked at, at yeah. how much that apparently resonated. So you know what I was shocked to service at? to you. Huh? You know what I was shocked at? <laughs> what? <laughs> of maybe all the people on earth that I would expect to say- I don't really like loggers. <laughs> I did not expect Scott Janish to be that person. Unprovoked, too. Unprovoked. Yeah. No, no, guys. Can you guys cut it for a sec real quick? <laughs> Fucking hate loggers, am I right? <laughs> oh, I didn't see, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah, that surprised me a little bit, too. Um, just because it has become such a, like, when the stereotype becomes reality, thing of mm-hmm. like brewers being all about them totally and i i want to talk in detail about that well let's do it so man like, well let's shelf that and we'll get right to it but in in kind of sticking with what we're talking about here like my my basic understanding of of loggers has always been this and you got you have general knowledge you have these these main two to umbrellas of beer that underneath that there's hundreds and hundreds of categories and the main difference being um being the yeast you've got now this is where i'll need some pronunciation help sac service between the latinness <laughs> and the scienceness yeah. and taxonomicalness or whatever <laughs> that word is genius shit you know yeah it's stuff you only see in writing, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's cervacier, I think is what the that is. Saccharomyces yeah, And that's cervacier. your common ale strains that, yeah. that make many of the beers we love. And then on the other side, you have Pastorianus. That's one I literally have never heard said. I know that it's the lager, that's lager, the lager yeast, yeast, you know, scientific mm-hmm. classification or whatever, but... It's all things you only ever see in italics, and that pisses yeah. me off. And classes I didn't do that great in exactly. in, in education. Um, but in a breakdown, when you kind of look at that, there's always these three or four kind of categorical differences that, again, in writing, you always see, whether you're looking at kind of old Michael Jackson stuff or, or craft beer and brewing stuff or all like of that. Like the insert in Thriller. Yeah, all, <laughs> all over the internet is kind of, 
ale strains at a warmer fermentation. Lager strains are generally at a colder fermentation temp. You have um, the time of fermentation. It's like the heat miser and then that cold guy and uh, Rudolph. <laughs> you, you know, you've got Scorpion yelling, get over here. Yeah, yes, so yes. On the, on the lager side. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's keep going I, down that road. So, Forget about the technical no. shit. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> I was, I was about bad. to hum the Mortal Kombat theme, and that'd be good for the listener. Somebody undoes their five-star rating on... Calling Apple and be like, how can I remove this? How can I get this? that back? But yeah, the yeast being different, the temperatures being different, and the time being different, and then top fermentation and bottom fermentation mm. um, are kind of the things that, that I've generally understood in my time in beer everywhere. Those are the the basic things that that I've understood as the differences in in all of my time in beer that I think everybody does. Beyond that, and kind of getting ready for this, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite sentences to say on here, we were talking about lagers that we like to drink and where we were going to go with this. And you had told me about a brewery that I'd that I'd never heard of, which is Heater Allen, which sounds like an incredible white rap music producer <laughs> or like an expos middle reliever from the 80s oh, you know like oh, an, someone kind of like an oil can boyd yeah, left-handed you know? 90, oh yeah 93 mile an hour cutter just yep painting corners only one pitch painting corners yep. for 27 yep. pitches yep. and he's out of there um amazing brewery name <laughs> yeah truly is yep. have you had their stuff visited them what what is no who, it's in oregon in just kind of a, i've only been to oregon once and it was just in a area i we didn't make it to very much on a list next time i'm there if you ever get out yeah. there like high on the list to visit yeah Absolutely. Um, but on the uh, on their website, they kind of had a different way of breaking it down that, that I really liked for my more basic understanding. And that was temp, time and flavor as a pace, opposed to these other things that you'd see everywhere. And broken down is the first difference between these yeast strains is temperature. Lager yeast can effectively ferment beer between 40 and 55 and is still active at temperatures close to freezing. Do you want it, me to just go get How to Brew by John Palmer <laughs> and we can just read that instead? <laughs> We might have brought some people in on the the rapper podcast, and now we got we got to break this down for them. I got listen. This keeps going technical. I got to have a purpose somewhere. (laughs) Um, And then where where ales prefer sixty to seventy five, and will go dormant at too cold of a temperature. And then because of these cold temperatures, lager yeast like to ferment at. We arrive at the second divergence, that being the time. Very simply. Lager ferments over a longer period of time, generally the nail strains. Generally. And then the final variation having to do with flavor, that's lager yeast will not or at least shouldn't add any flavors or aromas to a beer, whereas an ale yeast often does add pleasant aromas and flavors to a beer, often referred to as esters. Yes. Also, the should is the key part Mm -hmm. uh, because Mm -hmm. you can get terrible flavors out of Ale or lager strains, uh, terrible esters. And out of it, it's just all about how you you use it. It's funny you say that because the reason I think I liked this breakdown enough to write it down on paper and I don't s- like it because we didn't do it, so <laughs> so I have resentment to that. And want to say it on there, it kind of unlocked this visual for me, and I'm I'm very visual in terms of like that the the pastorianus or the or the lager strains. Let's stop bringing the Latin into it. <laughs> That'll be my Lager last. Strain that's works. my last one. I promise. Yes. Um, almost this thing, as in they they they're almost cleaning up the beer or fermenting so much that 
it creates this this crisp, clean, even in visual appearance, lighter, clearer beverage that for me has less saying less taste is saying it wrong, but less aggressive taste, more nuanced taste than mm. than most ales that I drink. And it kind of unlocked like, okay, this this picture of this yeast almost fermenting harder or fermenting more than an ale does. And then even in looking some stuff up online, thought that I had found that I found that to be substantiated by the stuff I was reading. Is that a fair way to to look at that? It of course it's a fair way to look at it. It it just it's all about the context of when really like any broad descriptions there's always going to be exceptions to anything like that. Mm-hmm. Because it almost implies like, yep, set and forget it. If when you're talking about yeast as a category, nonetheless, yeah. not even like a strain specific thing yeah. that just like, yeah, it makes clean ass beer, man. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy. Um, or, or like, um, yeah, it makes fruity ass beer, dude. Uh, but it's pleasant, dude. Um, like it's it just, that's obviously the brewer talking like in me mm-hmm. that, but so yeah, yes and no. Um, it's almost, I, I almost would look at it like this. I would look at it like you got two landscaping crews you can hire. I've never hired a landscaping crew. I don't know what that process is like. Mm-hmm. I know what my experience mowing my lawn is like. Mm-hmm. Missed a big spot. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. So I'm more of an ale. I like mowing the lawn enough. I'm trying to get it done though. Mm-hmm. Gonna, I'm not looking to do any fucking mow patterns out there. Ooh. I'm looking to to mow my lawn, but also not spend eight hours doing it and be done with it. And the lawn's mowed. The Definitely job not. achieved well. But then, in a in a relative in a in a uh, agreeable amount of time, mm-hmm. where loggers are gonna be. Those those OCD homeowners you got that want to make that stitch, their, their lawn look like there. Fenway Park, mm. and that's not better or worse. Yeah, it's just a much more meticulous, fastidious mm-hmm. way to like approach it. Yeah, you know, vi- hyper 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 detail oriented. Yeah, versus let's do this thing and do it do it good and be done. Yeah. <laughs> May, you know, I like it. It's not the worst. It's not the worst analogy. No, and when you say that, you kind of it makes me think process, especially being in perspective. Beer. I would say okay, or approach. But you, when you you words use words like meticulous, tedious, fastidious, um, back to the point we mentioned earlier, and kind of this this brewer's infatuation, except for Scott Janish, and proclaiming that like. Oh, I'm I'm only drinking lagers right now, or I love lagers, or that being like the brewer's beer, which I think is is a pretty generally accepted thing, and certainly something that I've come across with tons of brewers, and even in myself, I drink more lagers now for that reason, because because all hipster. the noobs are drinking hazies. Yeah, such a hipster, you know what I mean? No, really, and and I've always equated that in my mind. I think in the most authentic sense, as being because that's a more process-oriented beer than certainly the further down you the line you go if you're talking like a a fruited puree berliner that's that is an ingredient focused beer you know what i mean and and you can keep peeling that all the way back with all this hops you're using falls into one place and then once you get to to lagers it's like you've got your grain you've got your bit of hops you've got your water and your yeast and then you've got your process 
that the the carries more weight that sometimes the ingredients and other styles pick that weight up. Do you does that make sense to you? Yeah. Um there is the assumption again and I'm not trying to be like ped- I'm not even going to try pedantic is what I was going to say. I don't know how it works. Um, even with a, you know, a just ridiculously high amounts of, of raspberry puree in a Berliner, mm-hmm. like assuming that's a kettle sour, like you can really fuck up a kettle sour too. Mm-hmm. The, the kettle souring process. Yeah. It only, it happens over a day or two, but, it's also still not that hard to like make it awful, mm-hmm. like puke awful yeah. in a way that even the worst lagers are never going to taste like vomit. Yeah. <laughs> so th- that that's all. I, I do. I obviously get the, then, the sentiment of what you're saying. Yeah. Then what do you think that is? Whether is it the simplicity of it? Is it the inability to hide behind things? What is what is that brewers draw to? This is the beer I, I drink and envy. And why so many, we've heard it with Greg Engert on the pod. We've heard it with so many that like, yeah, I want to make these things to please the customer, but I want to have that real good lager for for when when the brewers come or when another brewery comes. It's it's so commonly said now. I think it comes from a lot of places. I think one of them, basing on personal experience, Mm -hmm. when I got into good beer, Mm -hmm. I then kind of rejected all things lager for a period of time with this mentality that like, oh, those those don't know what the fuck's up. Like people who drink fucking macro, dude, yeah, come yeah. on, man. And then you get into it long enough, you both crave something different. Mm-hmm. And also like you just aren't, your ego isn't as dependent on what you're consuming almost. It's like, it's okay to like do lagers again. Yeah. Like, and enjoy them. And like, you can't, since you cast them away, you almost forgot how good they were in the first place. Yeah. So I think that's one part of it. And another part of it, just like not that complicated, like it's still by a huge margin, the most consumed and enjoyed category of beer. beer in the world. Yeah. Has been for a really long time. Yeah. Will be for a very, very long time. If not like as long as beer exists in the way that beer exists to mm-hmm. us right now. Yeah. Um, it's so approachable and it's not as time dependent in terms of when the, the, the moment for a logger is mm-hmm. because of the restraint in it. Um, whether you're talking, you know, like a, a more assertive, like, like pr- victory prima, like pretty, fucking hoppy honestly yeah but still in a very much a lager way or you're talking about miller light or like you know a light light beer even mm-hmm. you know like there's never going to be a time where like yeah maybe you wish you were drinking something else but it'll be fine yeah, yeah, yeah. there's is times when someone hands you uh seven and a half percent stout yeah. that oh, like shit. i can't really drink this yeah. honestly right now for yeah. one reason or another like i cannot get this down me mm-hmm hobby beer like even like you know how much i love spontane like really good spontaneous beer like i don't i don't want them all the time yeah i just don't and bloggers <laughs> there's just not a time when i'm like oh, I buy- no no way yeah no i absolutely um, buy that and uh i think also kind of on the for the first part 
in an, in another sense of how it's sort of become a, the hip kind of thing because of that almost rejection of like, well, I'm going against the grain because yeah. like, you know, like, yeah, everyone likes hoppy hazy, man. But like me, I'm so unique. <laughs> I just do loggers, man. Yeah. You know, I have that kind of pal that craves that nuance. Well, can I, the, well, entertain me on this because I think it's in line with that. It would have been cool if you said riddle me this. Okay, I would have laughed. Listen, riddle me this. <laughs> no, entertain me on this because as it evolved for me, and literally even using you is one of my closest examples. I, I I thought about it in some of the sense of like, as New England IPA exploded, as Hoppy Beer exploded, and there was this kind of unwillingness of the older school to accept it. Mm. Certainly Sandy, like you can look at an entire city that was slow to accept that as a legitimate style. Well, of beer. because they already had their style of beer explode, mm -hmm. you know, 10 years prior or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And we've, yeah. we've talked about it personally and it's somebody we hope to have on this podcast, but like I've, I've literally heard like a, a Todd Mott talk about, hazy beer is is bad brewing practices and and some of these things and and things that were much more in the ether a few years ago by a large number of people so i almost viewed this brewers like yourself kind of brewing loggers with the attention that they do but even more so like you need to put more fire behind that beer you know what i mean and need to get it to sell and to do all these things and to say like oh that's what i'm drinking that that's I, I just want to drink like a, a marketing tactic. No, almost. almost like a hedge against like, yeah, I came up on this New England IPA style, but I'm one of the real ones. I like loggers. Yeah, I'm one of the good ones. I, I appreciate the simplicity and, yeah. and these things. Yeah, I, I felt like it, it lived there for a while for for brewers. Do you think I that's think that fair? That is, is definitely part of it. But I think the fact is that it's not these if in that ex ex exact mm -hmm. example the person isn't going to be like choking down the lager. Lager is so approachable. Yeah. So that's what makes it this kind of, it's a little of a lot, I guess, I think has gone into making it like that type of thing. Okay. And yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. think it's that element of like yeah. wanting to be different and stuff and wanting to be real and wanting to be seen as like, okay, this guy, this, this person gets it. Yeah. Also, I think most of the time that person does get it. Yeah. Whatever that is. Yeah. Which is, you know, highly debatable whether there's merit mm -hmm. behind that in the first place. Yeah. Because then you look at someone like Scott, clearly the guy fucking is, um, has more than enough right to Brewered. offer his opinion yeah. on brewing process. More than the vast, vast, vast majority of the people working in the industry. Mm -hmm. Doesn't like lager. He just is honest. He just doesn't care yeah. for it. So I bet there's a there's a portion of people that have have the same kind of general feeling on lagers as Scott does, mm -hmm. but are you know biting that bullet to just be like, well, it's worth it to seem like the a, a real one. Yeah, because I think what I'm saying and what you're saying are related, but they're different. There becomes this thing of like. I think we all want to feel like we are unique and we are different almost because this thing is so big that you need to feel like you matter that, you know, no what matter I mean? what you're dealing with. Yeah. Like, no, like, this I'm, thing meaning life. Basically. There's, there's yeah. a billion of us. Like if you really break it down, like, it's like craft beer can be an identity. 
but then up, yeah. you get deeper into that like track and then you need to have a sub identity yeah. almost to be different within um, that and yeah totally, and it's almost not to go crit but it's almost like these these little things we do to almost like validate our existence but it's like if Basically everybody what life is <laughs> and it's like but oh i like i'm only drinking lagers right now but then that thing runs its course so much that we're the only reason I'm even here, we're I'm only here. drinking Oud Bruins right now, dude. <laughs> Those are the real ones. <laughs> um, but even talking about it, because then that just becomes the thing. And and because we're all trying to be unique, it just proves that we're not unique at all. And then that right. becomes a thing. And then it's on to it's on to the next. You know what I mean? Um, so then to go on the other side of that, that's kind of more of the for me, almost like a jaded view or, or like an analytical view of that lo- Steven Tyler spin. <laughs> Which song? Jaded. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> is that the <laughs> Matthew, that's a tough one? Is that the on, Armageddon brother. song? No, that's not. All right, we're done. Um, come on, dude. Great he's, mu- he's living in your home state. It's a great music video. Come on. I, I'm with you. Um but are to go you though? On the I I wasn't now I am. <laughs> to go the other way with that. In being in it more, I the only way I've heard about it, and it's only it's really because there's only so many options, is this reverence for the time and the place that you experience something for the first time. You, yeah, I really only heard talk about with with Belgian beers, mm-hmm. and then with with lagers and and, and Hill Farmstead, check check <laughs> Pilsners from from Loring talking about that. We've had it on our podcast over and over and over again, where Greg Engert talked about it, Shaheen talked about it on the Belgian side, Carol Stoud talked about it on the German side. This idea of of going there for the first time, tasting this thing, and and under almost having this feeling of like. Ah, beer can be different. And it makes sense in the context so, like, instantly. Yeah. There isn't need for explanation. It's just like, aha. Yeah. I get this. And then even to turn it to us at Bissell Brothers in our lager program, when you'll often send things out about, and it almost seems to be, like I said, more fire than some of the other beers. Like, well, those are going to go. What, like, yeah. th- there's a ton of, of time and thought and intent. Like and emails. How are we going to talk about this stuff. lager? These are the changes I made. This is why. This is why I brewed it in the first place. We, we, Usually I use the we pronoun, but this is but. why I did this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but in talking about lager beer and literally mentioning your first time being in Germany with your dad and your and your brother and and having a Mars U beer for the first time, gravity poured off a side pole and it, it almost it takes on this kind of enchanted sort of feeling that for me going back like the technical and, and more social thing for me, that opens up all the windows for me and my excitement. Yeah. So let me to I would take it from that that kind of statement in the first place you don't have that association with because with i've lager. never been to germany well i would definitely argue that you don't have to go to germany like there are like notch you you mentioned not like going shaming. there like that's an experience that is incredibly like unicorn level rare in america suarez it's still its own thing it isn't just exactly what it's like in the Czech Republic, yeah, but it it's a an Amer it's a highly uh, it's a it's a very authentic and real homage, and that's mm-hmm. what like the best things. This sounds very patriotic. What I'm about <laughs> to say, but the best American things are that like a very um, diligent 
um, taking from all sorts of places mm-hmm. to create something that is very much its own thing. Yep. But is you can trace where where it, it kind of came from in a Absolutely. way. Absolutely. At least I think in Suarez, same way. Like Suarez is very much not a European feel, mm-hmm. I, w- I would say, to me anyway. Yeah. Um, but it isn't like anywhere I've ever been. And yeah, so, so I, I think you, you could... And the same thing, like I was joking, but not like when I mentioned Hill Farmstead, like, yeah, maybe you happen to be drinking a Mary or something there, but odds are you're probably going to be drinking like a hoppy beer there and like hitting a fucking Edward on the porch there, like pretty crazy experience. Like it's going to be hard for you to hate hoppy beer after that. Yeah. Or at least hate hoppy beer that's in that kind of level category. Yeah. Yeah. so I, it seems like kind of the since you're so driven or attracted by that kind of like the feeling more than the the thing, yeah, part that just part of your personality. Yeah, yeah totally. It's, it's and the, it's I think awesome. story becomes a, a big part of. This. Yeah, you must Always have felt that some, in some places, and and I don't know if that's relevant or not, but it is. We it is, and we can get into to more of that, and and certainly should get even talking about what loggers we like and why, and and having those experiences. I just I just spoke on one that you shared with us as a company to try to get that feeling behind sharing that beer with other people. Yeah. But in all those things you just touched on, because you kind of touched on a few things here, and one of the the next things I was going to ask you is is not in how you communicate it to your staff, not how your staff communicates it to the customers. For you as a brewer. What is most important for you in in lagers that you brew? Is it respecting tradition where all that kind of stuff we just talked about is it important? Is it like the is it a technical sound soundness? Or is it literally just the taste? Or how do you weigh those different things? Um at the end of the day, it is very much taste. I am, am of the mindset, and we've talked about this with the kind of approach to mixed fermentation and, and in particularly spontaneous beers, mm. it just intuitively makes sense to me. Like, okay, so for lagers, the best experiences I've had with lagers have been only at places that do things quite traditionally and take it really, really seriously. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of good lagers at places that maybe do it less traditionally and maybe have less steps in their process or whatever, mm-hmm. but they haven't hit that like lifelong mark on me and same thing with with spontaneous beer you know so like it only makes sense to me to start at all the steps in a sense or damn near it Mm -hmm. and then work your way back down rather than start the quickest cheapest way you can do it and then add steps as you go. Yeah, yeah. Because why would you? Of course. If you're already making something the easiest way, why the fuck would you try to <laughs> but if I strive this, to make it harder? Yeah, totally. Um, and that's the only way you could get the understanding of what steps even deserve to be or could be omitted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, you know, totally. It's almost like an intertwining of all of it, but that tradition and those things starting there and and working your way down. Yeah. To- so there's a little bit of like honor of tradition, I guess, which. Because of the the humongous, you know, breadth of the lager category in general, yep. there's what is even tradition, really? Because you're really, it's really about where you're talking about what kind of lager. Like, that's a tough thing with lot because there's so many t- 
variations mm. of and subsets of obviously that you know still the most of that percentage is not going to be decocted mash it's not going to be you know fermented in some rustic cellar for yeah you know 18 weeks whatever yeah. whatever in a and nice cave so and- it's really what is what is the tradition you're talking about it's all depends on the style not the category yeah so i when it's appropriate never ever want to i'm i like to think i'm always very careful to not diminish the the weight of of that part of it mm-hmm. of what has been built for why i'm even interested in you know brewing this type of thing in the first place of course but like I say, there's pretty much a unanimous correlation. It's very high correlation with this tradition and kind of old schoolness with the best ones. Yeah. So it's practical and it's practical in different ways, I guess, well, is, is how I look at it. Sure. And talk to me about some of what are those best ones. Let's and leave kind of being in the Czech Republic or being in Germany and having something there is, is an entirely different thing wrapped in experience and all this incredible stuff in terms of literally the liquid in the can and could be sitting on your couch in your boxers on a Friday night. Maybe, maybe <laughs> what, what are, what are some of your favorite, favorite loggers? It changes, dude. Um, Loggers are are different in, from a lot of styles in that the top top experiences exclusively I've had with them always been draft. Mm-hmm. Part of that is what you're talking about, mm-hmm. but I mean, like this whole slow pour thing, like that gets misinterpreted a lot. I think there's something about the act of letting this thing settle in the glass. It's just like the same kind of thing with bottle conditioning on this shorter. Mm-hmm. timeline almost of just letting things kind of like okay okay yeah. we're in this right now before <sighs> you hit it yeah it's no, not just stretch. about the fluffy like the froth appearance like it's not just about the concept of of well if you have to wait for something you're going to want it more yeah. kind of and yeah those play a little bit of i'm sure more roles that i'm giving them credit for but the beer i really feel firmly that the beer tastes different Then I think objectively, I think anyone could kind of agree a direct side by side. The perception of the beer is going to be a little different, at least a little different. Um, And certainly perception and those things really do. Yeah. So where was I even going with that? Sorry. um, I was asking you really like like slow pours (laughs) in a can what some of your favorite lagers were. um, Oh, yeah. So like I it'd be very hard for me to just like rattle off like. Well, you can say Prima, Prima Pills. Great point. Prima is the one, the untouchable. Yeah. It's that, whatever that movie with Kevin Cosner was, whoever was the main, un- who was the untouchable? <laughs> That's what Prima Pills is yeah. to me. Why? Because it's, it's Prima Pills. Like, I, I, of course you're going to ask me that. And I, I, yeah. part of it is always going to be your own narrative of, mm, of and, and trajectory mm. of like, when I first had that, what I knew about beer at the time, like yeah. how that hit me at the, it. It's a first impression thing, honestly. Like, uh. I feel like the beers that mean the most to people, they didn't grow generally into loving them. Yeah. They loved them from the first fucking sip of it yeah. because of, you know, what, you Whatever know, would you agree with were. that? Yeah. I think for me, I've always been in someone who's like more self-conscious about my palate and why can't I taste these things? Other people can taste and all this. Um, I think my, 
it, it, the only war that was wrapped up in it was that we were doing the podcast and I may have been one of the first times we really traveled for it, but going to exhibit a and, and having goody two shoes after sitting down and having like a real meaningful conversation. And then the pride with which he's kind of showing us the place and pops the tap and here's your Kolsch and this nice little Kolsch glass and taking a rip of, of that after doing the pod was what felt to me like the first time that I was like, Oh, I can taste the difference. Like I can take, I can taste when it's a level above or when it's magic, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that I would, for me, I would describe that it, certainly for loggers is, is being that moment, even though it's not wrapped up in the lore of being in Germany or these different things. You're about it was, the Kolsch. Yeah. Yeah. Goody well, two shoes. going back to your, you know, original thing, that's an ale, Matthew Robinson. A Kolsch is an ale? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Get back on your mic. Well, no, it's I, okay. We can't no. keep this in this here, This is good my to guy. talk about. This is like good it. to talk about. It's not dumb. It, it the feels, whole point is it's, it, a, it's a lagered ale. Uh, you know, it's know fermented at the bottom kind of range that most ale strains can function at. It's obviously that any coal strain is going to be kind of bred in a sense to like work better at lower temperatures, but they're still higher than most lager strains yeah. would be taste like what you'd think they would taste yeah, like yeah. at. It's like right in that kind of gray area of no like shit. 58 to 62 yeah. kind of. And um, the lager part is what is why it's like not ridiculous. It's not remotely mm-hmm. like embarrassing for you to think that like the why the reason they taste the way they do is because of the lagering. Uh. Like they're just stored at colder temperatures. It's all it means. Yeah. You know, um, so really yeah. means yeah. to store in yeah. German. And the effect's the same. Like, yeah. Like yeah. It, Kolsch is, is its own thing for sure, but it it it's I would say definitely tastes more like a lager than I certainly than so. an ale, but it it there's an aleishness to it mm-hmm. that if you Technical did a term. bunch of shit side by side, you would be able to pick out. I'm I know yeah um that just a little bit more there's just mo- a little bit more ester profile really yeah. like it just. I don't know. Well, good, and and maybe that's a perfect place to go. And why? Same with alt beer, by the way. So don't bring up alt beer as another lager. Come on, I mean I've, they're like the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, just of one's course, dark but... and one's light. They're in cities like thirty miles apart. No shit. But in talking about what are your favorites and why, and and perfect kind of almost perfect you going there and talking about the esters, and the reason I asked that it. What are your favorites? And almost perfect, even that we did go there to talk about that diff- the yeast and, and the esters is as a brewer, not as a person drinking beer. What are you personally looking for in a, in a lager yeast? In a lager yeast, um, well, as I've do- I've told you many times, I'm not I'm not I'm just not inclined towards managing a bunch of different strains. Yeah, probably like for any. You could make the best of the best of any type of lager, stylistically speaking, if you had three or four strains in your brewery of just lager strains yeah. to be like, but that's, we're talking like BJCP type of best mm-hmm. of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like, okay, what well, we're going to have one strain. And, and it's so tough too, because I was thinking about this um, the other day, like the changes you make the beauty of, I think, as a brewer of lagers, kind of one of the unsung benefits is that, you know, we can talk to Scott all day long 
about all all these potential things you can do with hoppy beers for mm-hmm. manipulations. All of that is is beyond valid. The tough thing is like the the X factor almost is that like even if something does matter, if certain concentrations do get boosted over a threshold, there's so much going on that it's really a crapshoot about whether you'll even be able to perceive the tweak you made. Yeah. Even if it is math, like, you know, analysis wise, getting you over these humps of, of let's say, like you said, for thiol is like very, very low threshold yeah. um, for them to be perceivable. Yeah. But there's all this other shit that's way over their threshold that it's, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, that's how we started about how we kind of bounced it off Mike. Like, hey, if Michael doesn't taste it, it's totally, probably not worth totally. doing. And that, how, that part made a ton of sense to me. And so then to bring that back to lagers, the inherent simplicity, no matter what type of lager you're talking about, manipulations you make process-wise, they have a much higher likelihood of being able to be noticed if you're focused on that mm-hmm. and, and, and watching that. Um, then on the other side, I hoppy beers, like, you can notice them in two or three weeks. For lagers, not only for like a beer, like let's say Precept, yeah, you know, we're brewing that, doing like a, a, a forty barrel batch of that maybe five times a year, yeah. So, and that's that's tough when you're trying to like trace a f- cause and effects of things, yeah. Um, that's a long time. Part of it is I'm still very like like relatively speaking, so in the early stages of really knowing what the fuck I'm doing, I feel like yeah, we've been doing it like. Across kind the of board, for three or four years. Yeah, but compared to hoppy beers, I brewed so, so, so much less of them. Yeah, you know, just of by course. the time, yeah. as you said, the heater Allen factor of time. Heater Allen, baby. Um, so the original question was, what? What am I looking for? And, in and a I lager did want to clarify that when you say you feel not that you know so little, but there's still so much to learn about it. Are you talking about? The lagering process in general, period. or are you talking specifically about the yeast? Both, both yeah. and and period. Yeah. Because the lagering process in general, yeast, I would say, is under that umbrella. Of course. Um so yeah, and then it, it you get you get into like, okay, stylistically. So for me, this will appeal to you. I think I mean you know this, like our lager yeast, what kind of made us go one way or the other is my first time in Germany. You know, fresh off the plane, we go to the Andex Monastery. Yeah. And just their beer is like pretty widely distributed here. So I'd liked it, but I'd heard that like you got you gots to go here. And it jet lagged as as all hell and like show up at this like six hundred probably seat, like multi room beer hall on this like rainy Sunday. Yeah. At churches right up the hill. Yeah. Like where am I like, and having these getting served, like the, uh, like you have to specify that you don't want a leader. Yeah. To <laughs> like, get a half leader. Small. Like, like yeah. the leader's the standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how is that not going to be like the X factor of like, yeah. And it is then, you know, mm-hmm. for, and, and you know me, I, like I'm, you know, I have a little bit of that hipster contrarian thing. I mean, it's not hipster. Isn't really the thing, the but contrarian I can't, is. I have very much an aversion to like what most people use for no reason. It's stupid. It's, it's arbitrary. Most of the time, same thing for that 3470 German lager is the tried and true ubiquitous lager strain for most craft breweries anyway, Mm -hmm. but 
I couldn't be using that. There, that wasn't even, didn't even think about it. We had tried out fucking the Carlsberg yeast for yeah. a while and that made good beer, but it was just kind of, it's a macro, you know, like it, it just couldn't quite, it always seemed a little bit ununified, the beers that yeah. were done with that on the pilot scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know. The narrative's definitely part of it. I also just, just think that, I think with our yeast, it's downside is it's like, if you look at Andex, port, the, the, I don't, I believe there's not even a Pilsner in their portfolio. Yeah, It's very much like their, Helly's is like their, the Volbeer is like their, well, they're most known for the Doppelbach. And then it's the like Doppel. the Helly's and Doppelbach, both malt focused beers. Yeah. You know, Helly's obviously much lighter. And we kind of take the victory approach of like, almost Americanized hopping rates, but with a, with dirt, with more traditional hops. Yeah. Um, and I can feel myself craft beer and brewing right now and just going <laughs> off the rails. So, so I'm going to stop myself so right that's there. Much like you said, you said it when you said this, that you had said it before, very much committed to this idea of instead of finding the perfect yeast, honing in on one yeast and, and really committing to it and learning about it. Yeah. So, so you do that, you make that decision, you have your yeast, then the next, th- the next variable you would have to play with is malt compared to other beers. How, how important, important certainly isn't the word. Um, I'm, I'm going to answer right now. It's all in the buck farms. Because anyway, looking it's at our beers, we use house. primarily your, your main Pilsner. Um, I think it all has. All has malt is, is the base of all our lagers. Yes. Yeah. And then I think only two of the beers even have anything else. I think Outgrowth has a little bit of wheat in it. And exactly. Lager beer has a little bit of Munich. Exactly. Yep. Um, does the Hellas have anything different than just Pilsner malt? That's the oh, actually the only one with just Pilsner. What about um, Precept? Precept has just a, a, a dash. Smidge of, a, yeah, the salt bay of wheat. Word, um, word. For just for head retention. Yeah, kind of and thing. it's what makes, obviously, I love the local part. I love the relationship part. I love that we're, we're, we're getting our grain from people I almost feel like we're growing with. And feels, but what, what in. Process-wise, it's the same thing. It's understanding maybe when done right, it's understanding the best way to utilize this literal flavor of where this thing comes from. You're talking about the best experiences I've had with lagers or really any beer style have all been at the source of these places. So obviously there's a reason, you know, German, you know, Weirman and best pills are like, they're awesome malts, but like, I don't think the objective quality of Buck Pilsner is not going to be lower. It's not, you know, measurable, like, it's then it's just about taste preferences and yep. like if all things pretty much are equal, it's going to be that always. Like, yeah. Um, because of the, the closeness factor and all those other things. Yeah, so. and Just like the uniqueness factor, though. Yep. I mean, that's the again, talking about trying to differentiate in these very nuanced styles yeah, yeah. that every little bit can show itself mm-hmm. like, oh, we switch we switch uh, the base malt and substance to Buck Pilsner over Turo like. No one is going to notice, yeah. Unless the colors may be like a hair lighter, uh-huh. that'd be the only thing that would tip anyone off. I, I'm sure of it. If you change those two things and like loosen, someone will at least say like 
something's different with this batch. Yeah. Like they, uh, why would they know? Last batch what? was better. Yeah. And, they, <laughs> and I'd have to be like, I guess you're right. I'm not one. You know what I mean? You know what I'm getting at though? Yeah. 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 So what, but in, in ex- experimenting yeah. with a malt that you're committed to, Main Pilsner I have a commitment to malt. From Buck Farms, what are what are your variables there to even play with, to experiment with? There's not, there's then you're kind of left with, um, all right, there's things like steps, how many steps yeah. and how you want to do that in the mash yeah. resting process, um, boil length, and then basically just pitch rate and temperature yeah. and on both the fermentation side and the lagering side. How much room do you have to experiment and play with when it comes to the mash? More, more than you'd think with that, with lagers kind of in general, because full like single decoction, we've we've played with it. What we end up doing more often is what's called like a Horcrux mash schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, this website, Brewkaiser, is like kind of a, almost a Janish-ish blog, kind yep. of, but mostly just about lagers. Um, very technical, like deep technical, like yeah. lots of citations in that one. Um, <laughs> more than um, more shout technical out Narciss. Than- <laughs> um, yeah, I guess done every logger study that exists. Um, and basically the idea of that is because the decoction goes against what you're always taught brewing of like keep grain out of the out of the kettle because that'll make scorch flavor. Yeah, and. It clearly doesn't really in the small amount that it is present in a decoction. But I also like my very honest verdict still out on how much it does matter. And then it's always in how much does it matter in the context for the beers that we make. Mm-hmm. So then that's why we settled kind of on this, this Horcrux thing, which is kind of like a hybrid almost. There's multi steps, like but it's all difference. based on water infusion yeah. rather than. You, you remove part of the mash, heat it up to near boiling, and return it. Yeah. And that's how you raise your the, temp, the temperature of the main mash. Yep. It's all about infusions. And I do think that makes a difference. Um, how long have, have you went? Because I know you've played with decoction for a while. At least 18 months. We've gone back and forth a, a lot yeah. between full on the single step decoction versus usually a one or two stage infusion yeah. with, and I don't know. I'm not going to mm. talk out my ass, honestly, about how even with a logger, it's still fucking hard to, to really know if any process tweaks different, yeah. well, no matter but- how much you, how familiar you are with the beer. Cause it, you there's always the fact that it could be something else yeah. that just, you know, you well, didn't even notice real quick. Let's go to the last and the biggest one, which is, no, I'd rather take you down that kind of um, pointless, <laughs> we- pointless circular uh, place. And that kind of will tie a loop on the whole thing. Cause that's, I believe where that that email we keep referencing came from was kind of a notice about changing some time and temp on the fermentation and and kind of, I think, if I remember correctly, feeling good about it. So then kind of delving into the whole story of what this beer is and why, if I if I read that correctly, Um, how much for anybody who is home brewing at home and we should get to why you you did or didn't brew lagers at home. But for people home brewing at home. How much have you played with time and, and other people also on fermentation and, and what have you found and where have you landed? That pretty much like 
if you're trying to make a a pilsner or helis or like a less malty and just straight straightforward beer, longer's always better. So we do that to a rate that's that's yeah. Obviously, as a production brewery, you got to balance. You know, yeah. the tank, tank still needs yeah. you still want to put something else in that tank eventually. And but, I guess while we're on, those tanks are horizontal for us. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Bonehead moved by 40 barrel ones. Should have wish I had got like three or four 20s instead of two 40s. Yeah. Live and learn. <laughs> um, yeah. So like for lager beer on that email, like to try to chase this like almost Kolsch likeness. It's not Kolsch like, but to the get best a, of the to, to coax more fruitiness, yeah. but, but still very much a lager level type fruitiness yeah. out of things. And try to just really chase that experience I had the first time at Mars was that was I, I realized a thing that was kind of it was our, the, that beer had started a little too clean. Yeah. So playing around with, OK, you can go a little too far and you want something coming out of the tank to be stable. Basically, you don't want it to be a level of haze that's going to drop out in a mm-hmm. week, but you also don't want to just wait forever so you have, because especially with that beer, it's meant to be served pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. Reference John Lanzini, episode 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that it was kind of chasing that. I, I feel like we've hit just such a nice place with it. We've played on that one with how much Munich's in it. Like, because a bag of Munich fucking shows itself. Yeah. A bag or not a bag of, of Munich really shows itself. Um, and then with Precept... And Lucent, it's been the opposite of that where, okay, we actually toned down, toned it down on lager beer for how long it's in the tank because mm-hmm. what comes out of it is a better beer, not from, for, truly not for any production yeah. desires. You got to flip that tank, baby, flip yeah, that tank. That's not even in the conversation. That's why exactly why I didn't fucking do them homebrewing. It's like, I didn't have that patience. Yeah. I, that's Literally, it's that simple. Yeah. I was like, no, I don't have that patience. Not interested. I'll yeah. buy them. That's why I drank so much Prima. Um, <laughs> sorry, dude. I'm getting off again. I, I uh, just no. only from there's so many, there's so many things to say. Yeah. Bring me back. Bring me back to center. Where were we? The, the What you found in, in between these different beers and different styles of beers, if there's any like overlocking yes. thread of, of time and temp that you can draw a connection from for time any, and temp. Anybody who's more patient than you and wants to try yes. at home. I would say for like I I kind of already said that I guess for maybe maltier, well Keller beer is kind of its own thing. Mm-hmm. I think other than that, probably longer is better. Yeah. Um, and I would say the biggest thing though that I noticed as like a big X factor that when we started doing that was spunding the beers. Yeah. So you're fermenting under pressure after a certain point. You had this valve that has more. It's not like a PRV that just blows off at at when it hits a certain point loses you like five pounds and then will blow off like a train whistle again. If, if you bring that pressure gets brought back up, yeah. it's, it's much more, more controllable. That basically made us like, we, we might touch it a hair. Um, and I'm talking like a 10th of a volume of CO2 yeah. might be added with a carb stone yeah. on our loggers now, but we've gotten to the point where pretty much we've, we've gotten the spunding schedule down where it goes into the bright tank entirely carbonated naturally. Uh. And 
that just produces they're just less lost. Yeah, you know, there's because this is all these things are. I mean, I don't know how many times I can say nuance in a podcast, <laughs> nuance flavors, but you really are trying. And I think that's the difference between craft loggers I have that I think you you never really know, but I feel like is one of the main most common differences of okay to like top level yeah, or even yeah. like one under top level um not making any claims on where ours are is that and i, I think you just notice a, a more kind of coarse carbonation and i because there's so little there's certainly less viscosity yeah so you almost get a more it's not seltzer carbonation but it's it uh-huh. it's closer to that then even in like a West Coast IPA, there's still more shit yeah. floating around yeah. in a West Coast IPA than there is in a, in a Hellies. Yeah. And you can easily do that home brewing on a keg um, that they make. But I would, that's the ticket. Ah. In a, it, with the assumption that you're judiciously controlling your temperature. Yeah. That can be tough home, really tough home brewing. And you're talking about a four degree swing or whatever. It might not seem crazy, but I can do a lot. It can. And, uh-huh. and it all depends on what you want. A lot of home brewers have kind of mastered the 60 degree ferment, where you can pretty much turn around a lager in two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. I've never had home brewed versions of it. I've had professional versions of it. And it going back to the whole, my whole philosophy on this is that like, there's a reason the traditional ones are always better and they're fine in some cases, sometimes not even fine, but they're, they're, they, there's no question. They're not on that echelon. Yeah. Um, and I just exhausted myself talking about that. I'm sorry. I think that's the the ticket. Patience. Patience. That's really what it it is. When I think about loggers, I think about patience. And that's, uh, Raymond Carver, I think. Yeah. Well, I think on I think on that note, we've gone down the logger wormhole. We have done it to it, and it is time logger loophole. Ooh, baby, it is time to pass it off into the night. Yes. So we've talked a um, a lot about narratives. Yes, sir. Today, my favorite, and um, I'm not adverse to a good narrative either. Yeah. And on that narrative note, kind of where. Well, you got me, you kind of intrigued me enough to get me to start playing around with ro- like Robin Hood. Yeah. Just like, say it. I guess day trading isn't quite the word, but you, you could don't, day yeah. trade on it. Like just you casual stock. You're not shit. supposed to, and they'll knock you if you yeah. do. You can only have like, yeah, casual stock yeah, shit. Investing a little bit. Like an idiot. Cause I'm not. I don't think so. I think you're doing better be, than me until I had my big, big day well, today. <laughs> To leave this most of the detailed stock talk out of it, yeah. one thing stuck out that is relevant, I think, to to this podcast episode, yeah, is uh, the Nikola, which is like a fuel cell, um, like they're a fuel eighteen wheeler company, right? They're a fuel cell company, and then within that, they they have a a pickup truck that they're they're kind of betting the house on that this fuel cell pickup truck is going to be one of these vehicles of the future. And, and if you look at the cyber truck from Tesla and what that looks like, maybe, maybe they're not wrong. It's a, it's a good looking truck that can, that 
is supposed to perform very well as a hybrid because they All right, have, Mr. J.D. Power okay, and Associates. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> Motor trend. Um, the, the, all, all that I'm getting at is I, I didn't quite understand because that's my point. Don't fucking know what I'm doing. But reading about them, they're kind of one of their uh, big hallmarks is that they have like a contract lined up with Anheuser-Busch, yeah. which I think is basically for distribution, like throughout the state of California is kind of how I read it. A narrative like that, great narrative, but then it's just like, it's just a competitor to Tesla who's just, well, it seems like we'll just be ahead of them. I know they're not necessarily the others, but anyway, neither here nor there uh, yeah. about this. I'm going to give you three stocks that I have in my Robinhood portfolio. Yeah. And I want you to apply three loggers in your- My drinking sphere. Somewhat shallow, I think, history of lager consumption. Yeah. Macro, craft, homebrew. <laughs> I, uh, could, I could tell you what's whatever real shallow. Whatever uh, prefixes you could throw on. Yeah. So what stocks do we want to go with? Let me take a little peeksy here. What you got- all right, the- Alibaba. Oh, the Amazon of China, in short. Yep. Um, Microsoft. Mm. You know, highly dependable stock. The most known, you know, one of the most known computer and electronic makers in the in the mm-hmm. country. Um, and then we'll go a little more off the grid with uh, Corbis Pharmaceuticals. Corbis, make, um, yep. very niche company that does like. They develop medicines for very rare diseases, like sub 50,000 people have it. Yeah. Um, but it's in mass, trying to keep it relatively hometown, not Methune, unfortunately. And, um, <laughs> and uh, it's going to get that in there. It's in Norwood, wherever that is. And that's been actually one of my best performing ones. So I guess it pays to buy local, baby. There it is. So I think that's the takeaway. There's those three, uh, those three stocks for you. So we have, to, to refresh, we have Microsoft. Yeah. We have Corbis Pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. the local baby. And the first one was Alibaba. <laughs> Talking about like the lemonade stand. It's a publicly <laughs> traded pharmaceuticals company. <laughs> Probably up to a lot of no good. All right. Alibaba, Mm. Jack Ma, Mm. I personally think based on everything else around it, I don't want to use the word undervalued. I don't. Not All I know is it's 150 below its target price. So. Exactly, it's it's this it's this incredible thing. It's just like Amazon. He's a freak. They're incredible. They're so good. And what I see for Alibaba, depending on Trump China stuff, what I see for Alibaba is a very bright future. I'm going to do the... Uh, so do I, because $800 don't grow on trees. <laughs> and that's what I put in. Alexander 10, which since doing the Shilling podcast, they're, they're Czech-style pills mm. that I've had quite a bit of. Yeah. We've got it laying around the brewery sometimes. I had it down there. I think well, It's I, not I, just laying around. No, I, that's, I looked at a can the other day, and I was like, oh, this has been in here. <laughs> um, bright, bright future. I'm a fan I think Jack Ma is a visionary. Da-da-da, I'm a fan of them. We talked to them. Alexander Ten from Schilling Beer, Beer Co. Beer of New Hampshire's future. That's Alibaba. All right. That's Alibaba. Schilling has a lot of expanding to do. Corbis, this is very easy. That's going to be Prima Pills because the only Prima Pills I think that I've had has been with you. 
And you talk about it all the time. Yeah. And you talk about Corbis all the time. And that is your stock. And that's your, that's your. Sorry, I'm trying to help a brother yeah, no, out. That's your My horse. bad. Yeah, that's your horse in the race. That's your, that's your go-to. You talk about liking local stuff a lot, yet you don't want to bite on Corbis. So, <laughs> no, who's I, the I hypocrite like, here? I don't know. That's you. That's, that's, you showed it to me just like that and have a big stake in it. And I, do I love me some Prima? Of course. Might I buy me some Corbis? Of course, maybe. They burn a lot of cash, but we'll see what happens. They do have. <laughs> <laughs> they burned a lot of cash, and then they grew a lot and had a ton more revenue, okay. and still burned about the same amount of cash. Get my whip ready. Uh, there's the whips there. The whips there. Don't you talk bad about that, Corbis that's in my you, house? That's your thing. That's Prima Pills. Yeah, they great. Microsoft. Answer. I don't have a great. What's Bill Gates fucking drinking, dude, for log? Not but Microsoft for a year. All everybody's talked You've about. You've been inside Bill Gates' brain. <laughs> I, I have been drinking? inside his brain on, on Netflix. Yeah. So he's drinking water that is very clean and doesn't give you ma- malaria. Um, but all jokes. MGD64. All jokes aside, um, for the last couple of years, all anybody has talked about is Facebook, Amazon, Google, and Apple, the four biggest stocks in the world. They're the one who's going to get to a trillion first, this, that, and the third. It's those four stocks. Meanwhile, Microsoft post Bill Gates is just quietly, doing their thing, killing it at one point over the last year was the most valuable company on earth. It, it moves around with Amazon and those. It is always been around. Everybody knows it. It doesn't get the fanfare of everybody else, but it has like it, it's tried and true. It's Microsoft. I'm going to bring it back to high school. In high school, I just wanted some of the high life. It's there. It's big. Everybody knows it. It's good. Miller High Life. That's what I drank in high school. I'm giving that to Microsoft. Well, that's it's highly, one of the bigs. highly illegal. But uh, It's one of the bigs. Right. It's not known like it's not Bud Light. It's that's Amazon. It's not Coors. That's Facebook. But it's it is. It's a huge macro. Everybody drinks it, and it got me the ki- other macro. It got me kissed a few times. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> so I'm giving that the high life. Was that that was a problematic? Shame, that was a champagne um, of beers, right? It still is. That's I'm a, 30. I, old, say, I just want a high life. Imagine me in high school with my hat half sideways. I'm like, whoa. What do you want me to pick you up, dude? Welcome to the high life. Well, of course. Grab me the champagne of beers. I'm living the high life, <laughs> grab so me the I mean, might as well beers, drink dude. it, too. That was the go-to. And if you do buy Microsoft, you will be living the high life. They got a ways to go. Come join me. That was a year of doing this podcast. Thank you for letting me get some stock talk in. Yep. I thought that was a great episode. Reciprocation. I like it. Um, I like, enjoyed it, I'll too, work man. on it, and I like it. All right. Well, I got to go. Um, <laughs> Play tennis. And be absolutely terrible at it. Maybe injure myself. You're yeah, pretty good. Thank you for listening. Thank, Thank you, everybody, for reviewing. For Thank Please you for review. being here. Please review. Shirts Please coming review. again. We will Should sell be, those. Go to, to print next week for sure. For Let's real. go. Yeah. Bye. I'm in the mood to be slow and careful. My body's ready for a mountain climb.